ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so we've been studying lum'atul i'tiqad and we've arrived at the section which is talking about the iman in the day of judgment the iman in yawm al-qiyamah and we talked a little bit about death and about the punishment and the blessings of the grave and about the trial of the grave and now we move on to the actual uh, resurrection the actual time when the blowing of the horn occurs so the blowing of the horn as we mentioned last time there is a difference of opinion whether it will be blown twice or whether it will be blown three times on that day but when israfil blows that horn that trumpet that will signal the day of judgment so then the resurrection will occur and it is mentioned that when the people are resurrected they will be hufat meaning they will be barefoot they will be barefoot urat that they will be naked ghuralan uncircumcised barefoot and naked and uncircumcised and then the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam recited thumma qara'a kama bada'na awwala khalqin nu'iduh wa'dan alayna inna kunna fa'ilin just like we began the creation we will return it allah mentions the creation will return just as they were begun And then in the hadith it mentions that Ibrahim alayhi salam will, will be the first of the people who is clothed. He will be the first of the people who is clothed. People will be raised up in different ways. The kuffar it is mentioned as Allah says in the Quran, وَنَحْشُرُهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عَلَىٰ وُجُوهِهِمْ عُمْيًا وَبُكْمًا وَصُمَّا that the kuffar will be resurrected on that day they will be upon their faces upside down blind and deaf and dumb one of the companions or one of the people they came and they said to the prophet ya nabi allah kayfa yuhsharu alkafiru ala wajhihi yawm alqiyamah how will the kafir be resurrected upside down on his head on that day So the Prophet ﷺ said, أَلَيْسَ الَّذِي أَمْشَاهُ عَلَىٰ الرِّجْلَيْنِ فِي الدُّنْيَا قَادِرًا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يُمْشِيَهُ عَلَىٰ وَجْهِهِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ That Allah, the one who created him to walk on his legs in this earth, is he not capable of creating him to walk on his head on that day? Surely and of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the ability to do that. 
Also it is mentioned about the believers that they will be raised up with honor on that day. They will be raised up with honor. يَوْمَ نَحْشُرُ الْمُتَّقِينَ إِلَى الرَّحْمَانِ It mentions on that day we will resurrect the pious in an honorable manner. The believers and the pious will be raised up in an honorable manner. And also the people, the believers, they will be raised up with the body parts where they used to make wudu shining. In Bukhari and in Muslim, in Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, it says, إِنَّ أُمَّةِ يُدْعَوْنَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ غُرًّا مُحَجَّلِينَ مِنْ آثَارِ الْوُضُوءِ فَمَنْ إِسْتَضَعَ مِنْكُمْ أَنْ يُطِيلَ وَرَّتَهُ فَلَفْعَلِ That on that day my ummah will be raised up on those body parts of the wudu being a sign for them. Shining on those body parts of the wudu where they used to make their wudu. So this is mentioned about the believers. (coughs) Will animals be resurrected? The answer is yes. Allah said in the Quran, وَإِذَا الْوُحُوشُ حُشِرَتْ When those animals are resurrected and raised up, so this indicates they will be resurrected too. حَتَّى يُقَادُ لِلشَّاتِ الْجَلْحَاءِ مِنَ الشَّاتِ الْقَرْنَاءِ It's also mentioned that a goat, a ram that had horns, oppressed another which did not have horns, that they will be resurrected and justice will be done between them on the day of judgment. So that is the resurrection. The question is, where does that resurrection occur? Is that resurrection on this earth? Are the people resurrected up on this earth? Or is the resurrection in some other place? Allah said in the Quran, يَوْمَ تُبَدَّلُ الْأَرْضُ غَيْرَ الْأَرْضِ وَالسَّمَاوَاتُ وَبَرَزُوا لِلَّهِ الْوَاحِدِ الْقَهَّارِ On that day when this earth will be changed for another earth. This ayah in the Quran, the scholars, they looked at it and they came to different conclusions. Says clearly, يَوْمَ تُبَدَّلُ الْأَرْضُ غَيْرَ الْأَرْضِ On that day when this earth will be changed for a different earth. So does that mean when we're resurrected, we're not going to be resurrected on this earth, it's going to be some other place, some other earth, some other land? Or does it mean something else? Some of the scholars, they hold the opinion that it means it will be a different land, it won't be this earth, will be taken out of our graves and resurrected and be standing on some other place, some other earth, not on this one. Some scholars, they hold that opinion because of the ayah, يَوْمَ تُبَدَّلُ الْأَرْضُ غَيْرَ الْأَرْضِ On that day when this earth and these skies, they will be changed for different ones. So some scholars said that means you will be in a different location, a different earth, different land, not here.
The second opinion of some of the scholars is that it will still be this earth. It will still be this earth. But, they say the meaning of the ayah is, it will be changed. It will be this earth, but it will be changed. It won't be the same mountains and rivers and what you see now. It will be a different landscape. It will be changed, but it will be this earth. That is the opinion of some of the scholars. How will it be changed? As it mentions in the narrations, it will be flat. There won't be these mountains and valleys. It will be a flat earth. Like the dough when you knead it, and it is flat and smooth. That the earth will be flat and smooth like that, where the people are raised up on a flat, white, smooth surface. So some of the scholars say, it will be this earth, but it will be changed, and it will not be how you recognize it now. Other scholars, they said, you'll be resurrected on a different earth, on a different land altogether, it will not be this one. So nevertheless, that is the difference of opinion regarding the resurrection and where it will occur. Once the resurrection occurs, then there are certain things which take place on the day of judgment. One of the things that takes place is intercession. The intercession of the Prophet wasallam. On the day of judgment, different types of intercession will occur. Some of those intercessions, the shafa'a, will be only from the Prophet ﷺ. Other types of the intercession can be from other believers and angels, etc. too. One of the types of intercession that will be only from the Prophet ﷺ is the intercession after the people have been resurrected. When the people have been resurrected and they see the calamities and the terrors and the frights of that day when they are resurrected. They see the calamities and the frights and the terrors when they are resurrected. So it is mentioned in the narration that the sun will be brought close to the earth and the people will be in their sweat some of them sweating up to the level of their necks and others to their waists and other levels. So then they will look at each other when they find this great calamity upon them. They find this great calamity upon them. Then they will say, when they look at each other, أَلَا تَرَوْنَ مَا قَدْ بَلَغَكُمْ they will say, can you not see what has happened to you? They will say to each other, can you not see what has happened to you? أَلَا تَرَوْنَ مَا قَدْ بَلَغَكُمْ أَلَا تَنْظُرُونَ مَنْ يَشْفَعُ لَكُمْ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ So they will say, can you not see this calamity which has occurred to us? Find somebody who can do shafa'a for us with Allah. Find somebody who can go and intercede on our behalf with Allah and ask for this day of judgment to be finished and we can move along and get out of here. 
So they say, find someone who can do the shafa'a and the intercession for us. So some of the people, they say, go to Adam alayhi salam. He was the first person ever. Go to him, ask him. He was the first human Allah created. Go to Adam alayhi salam and ask him. So they go to Adam alayhi salam. And they say to him, Anta Abu al-Bashr. You are the father of mankind. You are the father of mankind. Allah created you with his hand. And Allah blew into you from the souls. And Allah commanded the angels and they all prostrated to you. Make intercession for us with Allah. But then Adam salam, when they ask him, make intercession for us, and they tell him, look at the calamities and the disaster and the terror, make intercession with Allah for us to get us out from here. But then Adam salam, excuses himself. He says, Inna Rabbi qad ghadiba. الْيَوْمَ غَضَبًا لَمْ يَغْضَبْ قَبْلَهُ مِتْلَ وَلَنْ يَغْضَبْ بَعْدَهُ مِتْلَ He says indeed on this day my Lord is angered in an anger that has not proceeded and will not occur in the future. So he excused himself saying that indeed Allah is upon the anger today that has not occurred before to the likes of it and will not occur after to the likes of it. And then he mentions how Allah had prohibited him from that tree, but then he had fallen into what he fell into. So he says, nafsi, 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 myself, 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 I cannot intercede for others. So then he tells them, go to Nuh, alayhi salam, Noah. He says to them, go to Nuh, alayhi salam. So then they go to Nuh alayhi salam. And they say to him, إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ أَوَّلُ الرُّسُلْ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِ الْأَرْضِ You are the first of the messengers to the people of the earth. You are the first messenger sent. So you intercede for us on our behalf. Can you not see the calamity and the terror that we're in? So you intercede for us on our behalf then. He will say, indeed Allah has become angry today to the likes of that which has not occurred before and will not occur after. And he also excuses himself and he says, nafsi, 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 myself, myself, myself. And he excuses himself and he says to them, go to... Ibrahim alayhi salam. Go and ask Ibrahim alayhi salam. So then the people, they go to Ibrahim alayhi salam. And they say to him, you are the most beloved of Allah. Khalil of Allah. Just like Muhammad sallallahu was. You are the Khalil of Allah. You are the most beloved of Allah. You intercede for us. Can you not see which calamity and disaster we're in? But Ibrahim alayhi salam also says the same. 
and also excuses himself and tells them instead, go to Musa alayhi salam. Says to them, idhabu ila Musa, fayatuna Musa. Says to them, go to Musa alayhi salam. So then they go to Musa alayhi salam. And they say to him, ya Musa, anta Rasulullah. O Musa, you are the messenger of Allah. And you are the one who Allah spoke to directly. Allah spoke to Musa alayhi salam directly. And Musa alayhi salam heard Allah speak to him. So they said, Allah spoke to you directly, blessed you with this and gave you this virtue and you are the messenger of Allah. Can you not see the calamity we're in? You intercede for us with Allah. You speak to Allah for us on our behalf. But Musa alayhi salam similarly says the same as what the others had said and excuses himself and tells them, go to Isa alayhi salam. Go to Isa alayhi salam, he tells them, go to him. So then they go to Isa alayhi salam, and they speak to him, and they ask him, you intercede for us, can you not see the disaster we're in? But again, Isa alayhi salam excuses himself. Says, I cannot do that. And instead sends them to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Isa alayhi salam tells them, go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So then in the end, they come to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And they say to him, look now, or they say to him that you are the seal of the prophets, you are the final messenger, the one whom Allah has forgiven all of his past and future sins. Intercede for us, can you not see this calamity that we're in? So then Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam does it. He goes to the throne of Allah. Goes to the throne of Allah and falls down in prostration. And he mentions that Allah opens up to him the forms of praise that he did not know before. Then Allah says to him, Irfa' ra'saka, raise your head. Sal tu'atah. Ask and you'll be given. Ishfa' to shafa' Ask for the intercession and you'll be given the intercession. So then Muhammad sallallahu says, فَأَرْفَعُ رَأْسِي I will then raise my head and I will say, يَا رَبِّي O Ummati يَا رَبِّي Ummati يَا رَبِّي My Ummah, O oh my Lord. My Ummah, O oh my Lord. So he will go and intercede on behalf of the people. He will go and intercede. He will be the one who can do it. All of the other prophets and messengers the people went to and all of them had to excuse themselves. So that intercession that occurs then is an intercession that can only be done by the Prophet ﷺ. There is another intercession which occurs on that day. And that is at the end. When everything has finished on the day of judgment... And the people who are going to enter paradise are going to enter and they arrive at the gates of paradise. Everything's been done now. And the people of paradise who are going to go into paradise come now to go to paradise and they get to the gates of paradise. Then what happens? What happens at the gates of paradise? Hmm. 
Paradise waits for Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him. Waits for what? To enter first, on, you know, tell him to open the door. So you mean the people they arrive, but the gates of paradise are closed yet? Yeah. Correct. So when the people of paradise get to paradise, they find that the gates of paradise are closed yet. The gates of paradise are closed. So now the same thing happens again. They need to find somebody who will intercede for them for the gates of paradise to be open so they can enter. So they go to the prophets and messengers again. They go to Adam salam. They go to Nuh salam, Ibrahim salam, Musa salam, Isa salam. All of the prophets and messengers once again have to excuse themselves. They cannot do the intercession for the gates of paradise to be opened. So in the end, they go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at the end. And he is the one who goes and performs that intercession for the gates of paradise to be opened. So again, that is another intercession on that day which is specific to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. None of the other prophets and messengers are able to do that intercession for the gates of paradise to be opened. Then there are some other types of intercession which occur on that day too. Uh, And some of these other types of intercession are general. Even the believers, they can do them. For example, there are some narrations how some of the believers, they will say to Allah... That there are people who have entered the hellfire. But those people, they used to pray with us and they used to fast with us and they used to do hajj with us. So then Allah will say, go and remove from the hellfire those people who have iman. So they will go and they will remove their brothers and sisters from the fire. Then Allah will say, go and remove even somebody who has half an atom's weight of iman. They will be removed. Even a tiny amount of iman, go and remove them, they'll be removed. And then in the end Allah will say, now everybody has done their intercession. The believers have interceded for their brothers and sisters. The angels have interceded for them. Everybody's done the intercession. Now all that remains is the mercy of Allah. Now all that remains is the mercy of Allah. So that is another type of intercession where the believers will intercede on behalf of their brothers and their sisters. Other types of intercession are mentioned, how the children will intercede for their parents on that day. The children will intercede for their parents on that day. So these are some of the types of intercession that occur on that day. Then also one of the things which happens on the day of judgment is that everybody is given their books. Everybody is given their books, their scrolls with all of their deeds written in them, all of the good that you did, all of the bad that you did, all of those scrolls will be given to the people. And those scrolls are written with all of your deeds in them. 
And we know that there are angels who write all of your deeds. <coughs> angels that write your good deeds and angels that write your bad deeds. وَإِنَّ عَلَيْكُمْ لَحَافِظِينَ كِرَامًا كَاتِبِينَ يَعْلَمُونَ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ Allah mentioned, we have upon you our noble guardians writing what you do. They know everything what you do. They are aware of all of it and they write. And the Salaf are agreed that the angel that is on the right writes down the good deeds. And the angel that is on the left writes down the bad deeds. So all of your deeds, they will be written. And then on that day, those books will be given to you. What if a person commits a sin, so that will be written down in your book as an evil deed, but then you repent from that sin afterwards? Does it get wiped out from your book or what happens? You commit a sin, so the angel writes down the sin that you committed, but then later on you repent from the sin. So what happens to that now, what's been written down in your book now, the sin? After that, let's know. You, let's say you make Tawbah much later. So there are the two opinions. Some scholars they say it will still stay in the book. Your bad deed that you did will remain in the book. However, you will not be accountable for it on the day of judgment. You won't get any accountability on it because you repented. But it will stay there. It was it was written now by the angels that deed you did that stays. But on the day of judgment, that particular deed you won't get any sin on it because you repented. But it stays in the book. Other scholars they said that no, if you commit a sin but then repent, it actually gets wiped out from the book. And the evidences they use, like the hadith, tamhuha. Follow up. A bad deed with a good one, and it will wipe it out. That's what the hadith says. Follow up a bad deed with a good one, and it will wipe it out. So that is a proof some scholars used to say that your bad deeds, if you repent, they will be wiped out. But nevertheless, the point definitely is that a person who repents sincerely, and that repentance is accepted and you are forgiven, then you won't be held accountable on that sin on the Day of Judgment again. Also another issue here is how are you given those books on that day? The books of your deeds. The book with your deeds in it. How are you given it? There are some ayat in the Qur'an that say, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ بِيَمِينِهِ those who are given their books in their right hand. In another ayah, وَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ بِشِمَالِهِ Those who are given their books in their left hand. And in another ayah, وَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوْتِيَ كِتَابَهُ وَرَاءَ ظَهْرِهِ The one who is given his book behind his back. Three things mentioned in the Qur'an. That you're given the books in your right hand, you're given the books in your left hand, you're given the books behind your backs. As for the ones who are given the books in their right hands, they are obviously the, the righteous and the believers and the pious. They will be given their books in their right hands. As for the sinners and the wrongdoers, they will be given their books in left hands. And also, 
possibly behind their backs because the other ISS behind their backs. So some scholars said maybe they will be given the books in their left hands behind their backs as a degradation upon them. Left hand behind their backs. As for the believers in their right hands in front of them. Also some scholars said maybe the meaning of this is that their left hand will be taken off and fixed onto their back. Allah will make them like that on the day of judgment and then their book will be given to them there. Another scholar said maybe their left hand will be made to go through their body and come out from the back and they'll be given their book there as a degradation upon them. So that is the uh, ones who are upon wrongdoing, how they'll be given their books. As for the believers, they are given their books, the righteous ones in their right hands in front of them. Then also occurs on that day the hisab, the accountability. The accountability upon your deeds is two types. There is the munaqasha and there is the ard. The ard is that all of your deeds are presented to you. All of your deeds are presented to you. But you have been forgiven upon those sins etc. And you are allowed to pass. Your deeds are presented to you, but you are allowed to pass. That is one type of accountability. All of the deeds are shown to you, everything is there, but you're allowed to pass. They are the successful. But the other type of accountability is when all of your deeds are shown to you, and then an analysis is done of all of your deeds. If an analysis is done of all of your deeds, everything is picked out, every sin that you did, every small thing, everything is picked out one by one, then you will be destroyed. If all of your deeds are picked out one by one, examined in detail, all of the sins and everything you did, then you'll be destroyed. So two types. One is you are forgiven, you're shown everything, your deeds, but you're allowed to pass. That's ard. But the munaqasha type, if somebody gets that type, where you're not allowed to just pass because you got so many evil deeds, everything is picked out one by one, then that's when you'll be destroyed. Manuqish al-hisab halak, as the hadith says. Whoever is analyzed on his accountability, he'll be destroyed. So there are those two types of accountability, one where you are forgiven and you are allowed to pass. But the other one where you have sins and they are looked into detail and that's when you'll be destroyed. Also, this accountability, there is the weighing scale on that day. The weighing scale on the day of judgment. The balance on the day of judgment. Where your good deeds go on one side and your bad deeds go on the other side. And they are weighed up. To see whether your good deeds are heavier or whether your bad deeds are heavier. So the one whose good deeds are heavier, those whose good deeds are heavier, they are the ones who are successful. As for those whose good deeds are very light and the evil deeds are heavy, they are the ones who will be destroyed. They are the ones who will be unsuccessful. So the balancing will happen on that day. Good deeds, bad deeds all weighed up for you to see which you did more. More good deeds or more bad deeds? 
How does that balance happen? It happens in an actual balance, which has two sides to it and a centerpiece. You know, like a weighing scale, a centerpiece and two sides to it. There will be an actual type of balance on that day with a centerpiece and two scales to it. An actual type of balance, an actual type of weighing scale on that day. And then your deeds are going to be put into it. How are your deeds put into it? How are your deeds put into the weighing scale? Some scholars said the books. Your book with all of your good deeds written in it will go on one side. And your book with all of the evil deeds written on it will go on the other side. And then the weighing happens. Which one is heavier? That is one way the weighing happens on that day. Proof of that is Hadithul Bitaqah. The man who comes on that day with 99 scrolls full of evil deeds. They are put on one side. And he has one scroll on the other side which says La ilaha illallah on it. That goes on that side. And the balancing happens and La ilaha illallah outweighs all of that evil. So the books with your good deeds on one side, the book with your bad deed on the other side, that is one way of the weighing on that day to see your deeds. What else? Another possibility is that you yourself will go into the weighing scale. You yourself may be put into the weighing scale. What is the proof that this may occur? What is the proof that a person himself may be put into the weighing scale? There is a hadith about Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu one occasion climbed a tree to get some fruits. Climbed a tree to get some fruits. The wind blew and his garments were blown and everybody saw his shins, his legs. His shins. And they were very thin. The shins, the bottom of the legs of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu were very thin. So everybody started giggling. They started laughing. Look at how thin the legs of Ibn Mas'ud are. So then the Prophet said to them that the legs of Ibn Mas'ud لَهُمَا أَثْقَلُ فِي الْمِيزَانِ مِنْ أُحْدِ They will be heavier in the weighing scale than Mount Uhud itself. Why? Because of the great amount of good deeds of Ibn Mas'ud. He will be heavier than Mount Uhud in the weighing scale from the greatness of his good deeds. So the Prophet said, his two legs will be heavier in the weighing scale than Uhud. Showing that Ibn Mas'ud himself is put into the weighing scale. So sometimes the people themselves may be put into the weighing scale too. Also, 
the actions themselves. Not the books where the actions are written in, but the actions themselves. Obviously, that is something which we may not understand. Because when you pray and you move away, where's your prayer? Where is that action of your prayer gone? Where is it? It's not something physical. You pray and then you move away, there's nothing left. There's no, your prayer isn't there, it's not a physical thing. But on the day of judgment, Allah can make this occur. So, one of the opinions is, your actual actions somehow will go into the weighing scale themselves. And there are proofs for that too. Hadith where it says, Alhamdulillah tamla'ul mizan. When you say Alhamdulillah, that word will fill the weighing scale for you and your good deeds. doesn't say the book where Alhamdulillah is written in. It says Alhamdulillah will fill the weighing scale. In another narration, أَثْقَلُ شَيْءٍ فِي الْمِيزَانِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ الْخُلُقُ الْحَسَنِ One of the heaviest things in the weighing scale on that day will be good mannerisms. A person who has good morals, good manners, this will be from amongst the types of things which will weigh heavy. Those actions themselves are mentioned in the hadith, not where they are written down in the books. So there are some narrations like this, which indicate that perhaps the actions or the deeds themselves will go into the weighing scale. There is another very clear proof which is the hadith Kalimatani khafifatani ala al-lisan faqilatani fil mizan habibatani ila rahman There are two words, two phrases which are very easy to say but they will be very heavy in the weighing scale the hadith says ثَقِيلَتَانِ فِي الْمِيزَانِ They will be heavy in the weighing scales. And they are beloved to Allah, subhanallah, وَبِحَمْدِ subhanallah al-azim. So these evidences indicate that the actual actions will go in somehow too. So all of that is possible. The books of course, and the purpose person himself and the actions themselves, all of them will go in somehow or another for that weighing up to happen for your good deeds and your bad deeds to be worked out, which of the two do you have more of it is possible some people may receive good deeds on that day from other people like the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, أَتَدْرُونَ مَنِ الْمُفْلِسِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Do you know who the bankrupt one is on that day? Do you know who the bankrupt one is on the day of judgment? They will say, مَنْ لَا دِرْهَمَ وَلَا دِينَارَ لَهِ the one who doesn't have any money is bankrupt. But then the Prophet ﷺ explains to them, It is not what you think. The bankrupt one on that day is the one who used to pray and used to fast and used to do hajj, used to do worship. 
But at the same time, he used to oppress the people and take their rights. And he never repented. So on the day of judgment, all of those people will come. One by one, and they will start taking away his good deeds. To make up for the oppression he did to them. Justice. They will start taking his good deeds. And when all of his good deeds run out, but there are still people waiting to get justice, how will they get justice then? All of his good deeds are run out. So they will take some of their own bad deeds out and throw them on him. Justice. Remove some of your bad deeds and give them to him then. So that is the accountability, good deeds, bad deeds. You can add up those on the day of judgment more. You may receive more good deeds from somebody who oppressed you. You may lose your good deeds and gain bad deeds if you oppressed others. So all of that is put together and the weighing occurs. When the weighing occurs, three possibilities could occur. Either your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, which means you enter paradise. Or your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds. And this, the scholars give some detail about it. Or, what's the third possibility? First possibility is your good deeds are heavier than your bad deeds. Second possibility, your bad deeds are heavier than your good deeds. Third possibility, they are exactly the same. Somebody may end up on that day with exactly the same amount of good deeds as bad deeds. The balance is balanced. So where do they go? Paradise, hell, where? Exactly the same good deeds and bad deeds. Where do they go? Where do they go? Paradise, even though they never had more good deeds than bad deeds. In hellfire, then hellfire first, then paradise, even though their bad deeds were not more than their good deeds. So, no, it's okay, but there are sins that they did not repent for, sins that they did not repent for. In the hadith about it outweighing it, that was when the scholars say he died upon the shahada as his last thing. And that wiped out all of his kufr and shirk and everything as before. But a Muslim who's been committing sins all his life, he's from the usat al-muwahideen, from the sinners of the people of Tawheed. Of course, the people of Tawheed will all enter paradise. But the ones who are people of Tawheed but used to do sins could end up in hellfire first. Because of all the sins they did. But because they are people of Tawheed, in the end they will go out from hellfire into paradise. So it's still possible they could end up in hellfire. But these people who have exactly the same number of deeds, it's in the Quran, they go to a place called Al-A'raf. They go to a place called Al-A'raf, which is not paradise, it is not hell. They go to this place, this other place called Al-A'raf and they wait. They wait and they wait and they wait as long as Allah desires for them to wait. And then eventually Allah will remove them from that and put them into paradise. So they don't go into paradise straight away. But in fact they go to Al-A'raf. 
and they have to wait at Al-A'raf. Until Allah decides, then they are removed from Al-A'raf, and they are placed into paradise. Another one of the things on the Day of Judgment is the pond or the lake of the Prophet ﷺ, the Hawd. On that day, the Prophet ﷺ will be given this pond or this lake. And the descriptions of this pond and this lake are mentioned in the texts. That the color of the water in this pond or lake of the Prophet ﷺ, known as the Hawd, will be whiter than milk. The color of the liquid. And it will be colder than ice. Cool liquid. And it will have fragrance better than misk. Beautiful fragrance. And the taste of it will be better than honey. Beautiful taste better than honey. And the cups around this pond, or the cups which are around the pond and the lake for people to drink with them, there will be more cups around it than the number of stars in the sky. And the people, they come and they drink from that pond on that day, whoever drinks from it will not be thirsty ever again. But some people will be rejected from drinking from that pond on that day. Who are the types of people who will not be allowed to drink? Of course, the believers, generally, they are the ones who drink from it. The kuffar, of course, they don't. The believers will be allowed to drink from that pond. But certain believers, maybe, and other types of people will be rejected. Who? So, not just alcohol, but they used to do alcohol and other sins. The Muslims who used to do too many sins... Plentiful sins, alcohol and other types of sins. The ones who did a great deal of sinning, those types of Muslims will not be allowed to drink from it. Also, the innovators, people who do not practice the Qur'an and the Sunnah like the Hadith and the Qur'an says, they make up their own things, they do the Mawlid of the Prophet and everything else made up, it's not in the Qur'an, it's not in the Sunnah. People who do innovations, They'll be rejected and won't be allowed to drink. And the third category is the Muslims who <coughs> apostated. People who are Muslim but they apostated and left Islam and became something else and died like that, they won't be allowed to come to the pond. So certain people will be rejected from that lake and they will be uh, uh, prevented from drinking from that pond. But the others and the believers will be allowed. Then also, just to round off at the end, on that day there will be the bridge over hellfire that the people have to cross over to get to paradise. That bridge, it is mentioned in the sunnah, some descriptions about it, that it is thinner than a hair. This bridge is thinner than a hair, but it is sharper than a sword. And it is slippery, you can't get a grip on it. And it has claws around it. All of these descriptions are given in the sunnah regarding that bridge. Also, when the people cross over it, it says in the sunnah, it will be darkness when they try to cross over it. Thinner than a hair. 
and it will be darkness when they try to cross over it. But people will be given light, depending on how good their deeds were. The more good deeds a person had, the bigger the light they'll be given. Some people will have light like the size of a mountain, everywhere they can see where to go. Other people will have less light, less light, less light. And the one with the least amount of deeds will have light, only the size of his thumb or his toe. It flickers on and off and he can barely see what's going on. Because of the small amount of deeds he only had. So he has to try and cross in that darkness. Also the people will cross over at different speeds. The believers and the righteous, it's mentioned in the sunnah, they'll cross over in the blink of an eye. Even though it's thinner than a hair, sharper than a sword, claws, slippery. Even with all of that, the believers with the good deeds, in the blink of an eye, they're across. Others, as quick as the wind blows. Others, as quick as the horses can run. Others, as quick as a human can run. Quickly getting across. But the ones with the least amount of deeds, it's mentioned about the last person with a few deeds only. The less your deeds, the slower you get across. The least deeds, he won't even be able to walk across. He'll be dragging himself across on his stomach. Because of his little amount of deeds that he had. Dragging himself slowly across. So that is the bridge which will be over the hellfire and the people must cross over it. Everybody must cross over it in order to uh, uh, reach paradise. So the ones who then manage to cross over it, they are the successful. They are the ones who now arrive at paradise. And then as we mentioned already, what happens? They find the gates closed and then that story about the intercession. They go to all the prophets and messengers and eventually the prophet Muhammad does the intercession and they enter paradise. And then is all of the bliss of paradise and the greatest of the rewards of paradise is what? The greatest reward in paradise after everything you want you got it. Everything you want you got it. But the greatest reward on top of everything you want you already got it is that you'll be able to see Allah. You'll be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That will be the greatest of the delights of paradise. So that is the section from Lum'atul I'tiqad with some additions regarding the belief in the day of judgment. So that is where we will uh, end for today. Next week is uh, postponed a one-off cancellation next week unless maybe some other lesson is going to be put in its place. But this lesson is going to be cancelled next week. I have to travel. So in two weeks' time, inshallah ta'ala, we'll be back at the same time, roughly 7 or so in the evening. And we'll carry on with the next section from Lum'atul I'tiqad, inshallah. Wa sallallahu ala bina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.